Hello and welcome back to this episode of Say Something Interesting. This is the follow-up podcast for East Lake Tri-Cities, which is a church in East Lake, or Tri-Cities, Washington. I'm Megan, and with me as always is Brent. Yeah, hey guys. Mm, I do it That intro was a little great. bit tired and boring, <laughs> kind of like a football game that we both watched yesterday. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had to wake up early this morning, that's probably why. Did you? Oh. Yeah, I... So I run an after-school program, but we also do a morning program, and my employee that runs morning program is on a business trip with her husband in Florida. So I woke up and so you already got to school. Morning. Yeah, you're already I there. already worked an hour and a half this morning. Look at you. <laughs> and all these kids going to school wishing that there was a little bit of snow on the ground because yeah. it's like 27 degrees or something freezing like that. And the wind chill is pretty cold. It's chilly out, chilly out, and Which, snow is on the way. Which, if you're not in Washington State right now, you're like, we don't care about your weather. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. It's just, we're in that, here, here's the zone that we're in. Like every parent hoping, praying for a two-hour delay, or every student, I should say, mm-hmm. praying for a two-hour delay. Um, we are on the opposite ends of of that. We are hoping for a delay, but the delay that my wife is hoping for is a delay. <laughs> like, she wants it to dump snow while the kids are in school. <laughs> So that it does snow, and then there's just like a little bit of a delay in getting them home. Like, not at, for safety concerns, and everybody gets home safe. There's no accidents. <laughs> but, like, the drivers are like, hey, it's going to take us an extra hour or two to get your kids home safely. So hope that's okay with you. That's that's what we're going for, and I think we're going to get there. But um, anyways, it's... Uh, I would uh, like the not that to happen. Yeah, I know. I know that messes you up. Um, but, uh, yeah. How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where'd you watch the football game at? Uh, my friend's house. Okay. I heard an interesting, I didn't see the article, but my parents uh, saw a news story that apparently a number of bars throughout the country were closing on Super Bowl Sunday because they do so little business on during the Super Bowl that it is not worth being open. How is that possible? Because people, like most people... Either have, have a big TV or know someone who has a big TV, and they'd much rather eat snacks and drink beer at someone's house yeah. than at a bar. And so, this is the yeah. first year in since I think we started. Uh, well, since we had a building for sure, mm-hmm. so that we haven't done any sort of Super Bowl party here at the theater. And mm-hmm. we've got the big screens and the sound system, and we've previously have done it. Now, obviously, when we first moved in, it was like 2014. So you're talking about the height of Seahawks yes. uh, intensity. And so when we had the Seahawks in the Super Bowl for both of those years, it was it was a packed house. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, and then since it's uh, you know Brady's been in, I don't know how many. And so <laughs> it just feels like like nobody. The numbers kept dropping steadily mm-hmm. in last. Year, I think it was like 15 or 20 and it's not like I don't like hanging out with 15 or 20 people because I went to a party that was probably less than that but in a big giant theater and you know it's just like I'd rather watch this on a couch then if, if it's not going to be like a ton of people and Definitely. so uh, we did that we went over to Volmer's house they invited us over and had a great time they I think they forgot that we have a one-year-old um, <laughs> and so Glyde was a uh, all over the place and loud and we're just apologizing he's grabbing anything and get his hands on and <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy! And uh, mm. I tweeted it out. I mean, the game. I mean, kid, grief, oh, yeah. what a just a disaster. Yeah. And uh, I, I so bad and so boring too. I mean, mm-hmm. like, whatever. I, I tweeted out. You know, out, like all of the CBS executives were like, "No, yeah. oh man, please more action. <laughs> this is atrocious." Uh, that I ate more. I, I tweeted out that I had eaten more mozzarella sticks than the Rams had scored points yesterday. <laughs> And that's embarrassing for both of us because that's not good. It was so bad. That's the only a wonderful thing, tweet. Yeah, the, the only thing I can hope for, 
I mean, I, like I, it, the Rams are in our division, right? So it is fun to kind of watch them fall through. Like they've had amazing success this year, and then to do that, just to pull that off <laughs> when everybody's watching. <laughs> to be fair, their it's defense nice. didn't play horribly. I yeah yeah. I mean, for most of the game, yeah. So, Whatever. I mean, they got an interception. Like, yeah, that was like the most exciting part of the whole. That game. was. I, that was the only <laughs> time I think I got out of my seat and I was like, "Yeah!" Like I could. Like I kind of saw it, was it like coming. The first too. ten minutes. Or yeah. It less. was. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the rest of the time was just like I don't know nine punts in a row. I mean, come yeah, on. It was All our non-football people are like, "Come on, move on." I didn't even watch it. And no good commercials. No, by okay, the way. so one. Did you have a favorite? I, have, I had a couple that I was like, "Oh, All I right. kind of like that." Okay. This one, I don't. The one I remember the most, yeah. which good advertising. I was like, it was cringy, but it was for Mint, which is a money management app, I think. Well, okay, so there's two things. So there's a Mint Mobile, because I thought the same thing. Uh, okay. I have Mint on my phone. We, uh-huh. well, my wife and I use Mint, and we don't pay anything for it. It's a free app. Uh-huh. And so they're talking about $20 plans, and I'm like, well, are they starting to charge me, and I don't even know it now? Uh-huh. But it's an actual, like, uh, like a Cricket uh-huh. Wireless or oh, okay, whatever. So Mint Mobile. Yeah, yeah, and they had the, like, Chunky Milk. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. gross. It was you gross, like that one? and I didn't like it. Oh, it was okay. gross. Yeah. I just remember it really yeah. well. Yeah, uh, so to be fair, I had a one-year-old running around screaming, yeah. mm-hmm. and the volume wasn't that great during those times, and so <laughs> I didn't catch all of them. So I'm hoping that somebody will like, give me, like, hey, theirs wasn't really that great, so here's top three. What I do remember was Jason Bateman, Levels of Hell. and oh, Yes, I think that was my other favorite That one. was That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to. I know it turned cheesy at the end because it's a car commercial, mm-hmm. and it has to. Um, but I don't know. That was, that was entertaining for like 80% of the commercial. Mm-hmm. And then the last 20% you're like, wah, wah, wah. Ooh, I found my car <laughs> on this website. Um, so anyways, we actually turned the volume up on the commercials. I think more people were paying attention to the TV during the commercials than anybody was during the game. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> how about the halftime show? Any, any opinions uh, on the halftime show? Equally as boring as the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are they ever not boring though? I feel no, like Katie they're Perry all. Katy Perry had a fantastic halftime show. I mean, was she was on a big giant lion or whatever. I know, tiger. She had really fun like, dancers and. The, isn't she the shark? Yeah, left shark. That's mm-hmm. not funny. That's not entertaining. That was bogus. Yeah, it was way more entertaining than Adam Levine. I feel like though, and I his, feel like it's like, recency bias. I feel like oh, everybody goes oh, this year was the worst, and every year's the worst. <laughs> Ever since Michael Jackson did it, there has been the worst yeah. since then. I don't know. I liked Katy Perry's show. I yeah. thought Adam. I thought Moving Five was kind of boring, and his like confession. Continual... I have no idea who Big Boy is, but I don't. I, mean, I don't either. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But... I recognized the song he sang, kind Did of, you? but yeah. I don't really know who he is. And and the Murray first five. rapper that came out, my friends were like, "Who's this?" And we were, I was like, "I don't know." And we'd seen like Big Boy in the ads or something, and. My friend Annie goes, I think maybe it's medium boy. <laughs> yeah, kind of the irony. <laughs> yeah. Like skinny boy with yeah. like some sort of fanny pack. What was yeah. that fanny pack I thing? I don't know. That was super weird. <laughs> and I had, yeah. I, I had seen a replay uh, that I didn't see it live, but at one point, one of those guys fell off the stage. Ooh, like really? Yeah, like missed, misstepped. Oh. And somebody said that was the first touchdown of the game. <laughs> It's him falling <laughs> up the stage and hitting the ground. So you can kind of kind of do that. Interesting that Maroon 5 chose to do a song from their first album, which came out when I was in college. Like, mm-hmm. however, I don't even want to say how like many years a ago. Decade ago. Like, what in the world? What are you doing? <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, and then he takes his shirt off. and Yeah, he no, he had layers. He started with like a coat 
And yeah. then he oh, had yeah. like the sport jacket, and yeah. then it was the disgustingly patterned tank top. Yeah, that and looked like then, a Target pillow. Uh-huh. Yep. And then, uh, and then no shirt. Yeah. My friend Brian was. He goes, "That's like the number two and three top nipple reveal of football history." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, number two. <laughs> totally, absolutely. I, I texted uh, my buddy. I was on a text ring with a couple buddies, and I said, "Ryan is the, 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 the more interested in halftime than the game right now." <laughs> he takes his shirt off. And he goes, "I don't know. My body's been compared to Adam Levine's before." <laughs> and I asked him if he was going to get a tattoo of richland across his chest i thought that would be right across his stomach that'd be that'd be kind of cool i think go for it no regrets though you won't regret that no You're, regrets. that'll be fine you'll be fine yeah yeah oh my gosh all right yeah. well we probably should uh we should probably jump into message discussion stuff we did week two of our prepared series and talked a little bit about uh, just some of the gospel, right? Not a, not specifically a text. I focused so much on a text last week, uh, and this week I kind of brought in a few of the Matthew texts to kind of justify some of Jesus' treatment of the Old Testament, uh, but more more so just how do you have a defense for when people say, oh, so Bible stuff, like you're into like the Bible stuff, and there's so much that goes into it, and you know that there's so much like uh, like baggage in in that even that language and the tone and the, the everything that they say and the way that they say it. Um, there's a lot of skepticism about the Bible, and it's a really old book that you know. Uh, who knows how it's been altered, how it's been edited, and how, you know all these kinds of things that go in to justify it. A lot of times because we don't like what it says uh, about us, and so we're like, you know, how, well, how can I discredit it in this way? And there's all kinds of uh, depending on who you read or who you've listened to or whose YouTube videos you've watched, there's all kinds of critiques about it. And so how do you justify it? What's your one-line defense uh, for that sort of a thing? And the uh, the bottom line was, took it kind of piece by piece into the Old Testament, New Testament type stuff. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, I, uh, the reason I can't get over just throwing that thing out is because Jesus didn't. Like, he had every opportunity mm-hmm. to be like, hey, I'm introducing a brand new thing, so all that stuff that you learned in the past, like... I mean, we all know it's broken, right? It doesn't really work. So here's what does work. He could have done that, or or that would have made a lot of sense to do, and yet he didn't. He he says in Matthew chapter five, "I've come to fulfill it, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it." Um, and he speaks of characters as if they actually happened and treated them legit. And so that's kind of different for me. Like you got to work through some of that, and uh, not to not to say that you just take. Old Testament face value for what you can read it, and like I bring in my 21st century understanding of it and be like, well, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Like that's not true either. But because uh, Jesus contextualized the no- the disciples were notorious, or actually the apostolic writings were notorious for pulling Old Testament verses almost out of context at times. There's a great book called Inspiration and Incarnation uh, by uh, Peter Enns that talks about how um, there they would take these verses and they would adjust them to leverage whatever point that they were trying to make in the New Testament. And oftentimes, it would be out of context from the Old Testament, and they'd be like, <laughs> this is... now Because today, if we use it, usually it's to justify personal means, like mm-hmm. some sort of prosperity gospel, and um, we, you know, then they pull out Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And we're like, well, that was for like a whole nation that was yeah. like in exile, like facing punishment, like, hey, don't worry, this punishment's going to be for your good at some point. And we like to think it's going to be so that I can upgrade to a BMW or, or a Lexus. Um, and that's not what that's for. Um, so there's lots of anti, anti, um, don't take it out of context. And yet they kind of do to leverage their own point, but they do it with Old Testament. I don't know. There's just a mm-hmm. lot of stuff in there about that. Anything stood out to you in the Old Testament part that was um, kind of a interesting thing for you? Um, 
I just that whole piece of I think the kind of coolest part of the series so far for me is that like when we look at Jesus like that's the answer like he's the reason he's the the event of him is the reason the life of him is the reason so when he's when that's important to him that should be important to us and so like when we look at our lives and model our lives so like those are the reasons why that that's part of the bible is part of what we read and worship and i don't think that you know, I grew up in a house that wasn't very Bible literalist. Like the Bible is important and we should read it and take value from it. But I also grew up in a faith denomination that's very much about finding, like studying and interpreting and uh, learning and like finding meaning within and understanding context. And so I did Following the church tradition for centuries, which yeah. is the role of the church has been, how do we interpret this yeah. for this century? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I never... The Bible was always a like ancient text that we find meaning through and that God speaks to us about what he wants our life to look like through, not like this is exactly what you need to do all the time. And so, um, and my parents are very much that way also in terms of how they approach the Bible and evolution and all of those things that are very contentious when you come across kind of literalist uh, situations. And so... Uh, when you were talking about, you know, people who grow up with this is the Bible and this is what you do. And I was like, oh, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> Even but, though I grew up Christian and. But that is true for so many people. Yeah. Like I remember um, Andy Stanley, the guy I I like, uh, love his, he's pastors of church in North Point and um, in not Missouri. Oh, that's Jeremy. Um in Atlanta, Georgia, that's where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how he went and served at a mission once, and you know, a lot of homeless guys come in, and they come in because there's a free meal, and part of the program is you got to sit through a sermon, right? Mm-hmm. Which, um, so it's really tough. It's a really tough audience mm-hmm. to, to kind of speak to, and they, that's still true even for you know gospel missions sometimes and some other things. Is hey, we're gonna do a church service, and afterwards you get food, and so you know they put up with it or whatever. And uh, some guy comes in, and he's kind of on, you know, he's kind of on some stuff. You can kind of tell it's just a little bit, he won't look in the eye, that kind of thing. He's shifty or whatever. Uh, but he was like, uh, uh, he, he said, he, uh, Andy offered him a Bible, or do you have a Bible? And they tried to give him an NIV, and he goes, I'm only a King James guy. Like, even in that <laughs> even in that moment, like, yeah. no, I have standards in yeah. this way. Like, my life doesn't reflect <laughs> any of the following, you know, a yeah. lot of the following things. If it right doesn't now. say thee and thou, I don't want it. I don't want it. That's what I'm comfortable with, <laughs> yeah. right? Or that's what feels religious to me. Yeah. And it's this isn't a, a talk on different translations, but it is a talk on like how high esteem we hold holy scriptures to that you don't even have to be like a religious person you can you can look at it and be like hey i don't personally hold to those beliefs but i can kind of respect people who have those like convictions about holy scripture and protecting it and i kind of i you know i can defend that or whatever mm-hmm. and so it kind of feels like sometimes <laughs> if if you're not doing that then what's going on here let's devalue into this and i don't know whatever but mm-hmm. yeah yeah, That's, that that was an interesting part for me. I like the history part too that you put in, but I really kind of am a history nerd, so yeah. So <laughs> typically on Easter Sunday, we'll I'll talk about you know the the whole thing of the um the the central piece of Christianity has never been about a book. It's about an, about an event, and the reason that we can believe it's true. A lot of times, I'll point to 
who the the men were who mm-hmm. wrote about it and what the sacrifice that they went through. And I kind of touched on that a little bit, but in this one, focus more primarily and probably should have just done it exclusively. I should have just not mentioned the other stuff because I went long anyways. <laughs> um, uh, just on the date in which the factors of the dates of when this is of when those things were written. So everything that we know about Jesus comes from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and. Uh, in terms of life and teaching, there's some stuff from Paul, but that's more of like uh, the dynamics of what he taught or the principles of what he yeah. taught. Um, and uh, the period in which they wrote it um, was the, the point that I was trying to make with the history of, of Domitian and Titus and all them was the timeline. Uh, the timeline's important. It could not have been written uh, much later than, uh, well, probably not after 70 AD because mm-hmm. there's no mention of this huge thing that happens in the uh, the in the Roman history, I mean, this is this is this is a big deal. This makes this makes an archway in the in the Colosseum area, you know, mm-hmm. the neighborhood over there. And I've never been to Rome. I would love to go to Rome because yeah. I love that kind of history of all Trying that stuff. Trying to think because I have been to Rome and I've been yeah. to the Colosseum, but I don't remember if we walked. Because we walked by around some ruins that are very close to the Colosseum, so I'm sure I walked by it, but I don't. I saw like 14, general like aerial so. <laughs> views of of the Titus Arch because when mm-hmm. I was doing the research on it, and there just appeared to be it looked kind of like Disneyland with like a lot of different rides, but instead of rides, it's all ruins. Yeah. So there's no. I mean, I totally get that you might have walked past this and not seen it because it looked like you had about thirty different options to go well, to. Well, I was also fourteen when we went. Oh yeah, and well, it was our first. We like we went Christmas time to Rome, and it was our first kind of. Italy trip after we moved there yeah. and so it was also a little overwhelming and we were trying to get to the Colosseum. Yeah, 14. So, yeah. I went to Israel when I was 16 and it was awesome. Like my parents took me and my sister um, but it's it would be totally different now. Like yeah. I would love to go back at some point and do the same, maybe even the same too and it would all feel fresh and new or whatever uh, but then to have kind of the history that I've gotten out of the education or whatever, I just think it would stand out that much more. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I would love to go, love to go to Rome yeah. too. So, yeah, we are planning on it. My wife and I are uh, uh, next year's our 15 year anniversary, and it's <laughs> also our 10 year anniversary at Eastlake. Um, and so, we are trying to figure out some sort of a some sort of a multi week, two week something trip over there. If you're gonna go over that far, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna want it. And my aunt and uncle are currently missionaries in Brussels, Belgium area. Mm-hmm. So, use that as kind of a home spot and kind of go from there. And we would take the kids. With us is the plan. Cross our fingers. <laughs> Question mark. Live. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of on the mm-hmm. horizon. But I just ordered uh, a new book that I'm super excited about: Rome and Jerusalem, because okay. I, I didn't know as much about that. I mean, I, I knew eighty seventy, like that's in all the New Testament survey books that you ever read. But like some of that, like some of the details of that story, I, I, I want to go further on. And, uh, and investigate a little bit more. So I'm super excited about it. I don't. I won't recommend it yet because I don't. I haven't <laughs> read it, so don't buy it. Wait for me, and I'll let you know. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of closed it off uh, with a, a, just a, a brief comment about personal experience, um, just to try and tie it in more. I felt like if I had delved too far into history and then didn't make it personal, like I know people are coming in with all kinds of like. You know, hey, my life sucks this week. I talked to somebody right before service um, who found out their best friend has cancer, and mm. then the, another person's got a, a relative who's been ch- getting charged with something that, like, you know, that it's just yeah. like a, all kinds of just crap. And then mm-hmm. I come in and be like, back th- 2,000 years ago, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to like leave it at that and be like, that doesn't mean anything for me now. So try to tie it at the end of the, uh, listen, I do believe in a guy that, uh, that interacts in personal experience, but that's not a great foundation for our faith. 
Um, and a great, a better, a much better foundation for our faith is not a book. It's not a personal experience. It is in this person of Jesus. And what do you do with a person who is Jesus? So, yeah. And because that's a, that's something that doesn't change. Right. And your personal experience changes and it doesn't matter what your faith is. You're going to have times that are more hard or, um, that you don't feel as close to God or as, connected in that way. And so if your foundation is this experience of being really connected to God, then when that is further away for whatever reason, it, like it, that's hard to stand on. And, but if your foundation is in this person of Christ that I know existed, who um, died and rose again and who saved me from myself and who's going to be there for me through whatever, then that's way more secure it's a way more secure place to store your faith. Yeah. And I know, like, I've seen enough churches, and I, I don't want to, I'm not like, trying to church bash or pick on churches or whatever, but focus on the emotional experience of something and make that. And I know that when you come to East Lake, it's not typically an emotional experience. Our worship service doesn't go 40 <laughs> minutes where we, we replay the chorus of the song until there's a bridge and then the lights explosion and, you know, then... <laughs> You bring, I don't know, there's just a, there's just stuff, I get it, like, mm -hmm. and it, and that kind of a style works, like, those churches do typically pretty well, um, but unfortunately, it ingrains people in it with a faith that, like, I, if my life's going good, it's because of a blessing, if it's not, it's because I need to get more of a blessing, so it keeps, I don't know, it just keeps going, I, I don't want that to be, I don't want you to come to East Lake and be like, oh, I, I sorry I haven't been to church in a while, uh, I just, I've been going through, like, a depressing period of life, and I'm just working, I, I'm like, that's when you should be coming the most like not because you need the help or like you come and and something about the physical being in the room is gonna like make god treat you better or something like yeah. that but a reassurance that god is for you and that like you go through crappy situations in life but that that shouldn't deter the main thing about what we believe like yeah Life has its up and ups and downs. Like it, suffering in life is kind of inevitable. Like we all get to that spot. And if you're not right now, then you're just being, you're just lucky, mm -hmm. you know? There's this woman who, there's an organization, and I think it's a nationwide organization. It's called 211. And they are basically like an operator for resources for people. Um, so you can call, if you're having life struggles, you can call them and find out about housing support and food stamps and just a ton of different like resources that are available to you in your community. And um, this woman that does a lot of outreach with them, who I've worked with through my job, her line is everybody is one major life event away from needing help. Yeah, you are like, true. you just, nobody is immune. And so like if one big accident happens or one big, you know, anything happens, like your house accidentally catches on fire or whatever it is, everyone is one major life event away from needing help. And so it doesn't like that's that broken world. That's that chaos that we live in. And, um, you know, that's that piece of if you're not in it now, you probably will be sometime in the future. Yeah. Yep. So. It's true. Uh, good stuff. Anything else to close out the uh, the talk on the the I recap? So. Talk? I I think that was pretty much it. All right, great. Yeah. Uh, so this next week is part yeah. three. There's gonna be four parts to this thing, uh, but part three. Originally, I had thought, uh, well, we'll just interject because we got a guest speaker. But it's my university professor guy, and he's gonna be doing he's gonna be doing a Friday night seminar 
um, on following Jesus in the Spirit in the Matthean text. He's like a super. <laughs> Which, I know, by the way, I, I said Leanne it fast. Leanne's video was fantastic. Was hilarious yeah, trying to so say. Because so <laughs> um, I just wrote in the script, "Hey, try and attempt to say this, but uh-huh. like intentionally screw it up." Mm-hmm. And she, so she came up with all of those yeah. and did fantastic. <laughs> it was so brilliant. Um. So he his focus is a new New Testament scholar on the book of Matthew, like one of the top guys in the nation in terms of an understanding of all of the things about specifically uh Matthew's text. So Friday night we're doing a one night seminar here at the uh at the theater called East Like You. Um and that's gonna be pretty intense. Like put your put your brain hats on, that kind of thing. Uh whiteboard, taking notes, blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> and then I said, All right. And then I want you to give a simplified, I don't want to say dumbed down version, <laughs> but like a dumbed down version on Sunday morning for what you're saying and what the importance are. So he's going to be talking mm-hmm. about uh, what fear of the Lord looks like in there. And uh, so it's going to be super great. So please, mm-hmm. please, please don't miss this weekend. Uh, some people already signed up for Story Table too. That's taking place the same night as East Like You. Uh, we will try and do some sort of a recording for East Like You so that the people who are in Story Table don't miss out. You can follow up and, and do this later as long as uh, Blaine's okay with that. I'm sure he will be. Um, but anyways, yeah. that's all happening. It's all free this weekend. So busy weekend for us here at the theater. Um, uh, let's do our something interesting. Yeah. You ready for that? Yeah. All right. So every week we try and come up with something that uh, we have found interesting, something we watched, read, or experienced that we feel like it's too good not to share. Um, so Megan, you want to go first? You got your phone out. You look like you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. Go for it. So uh, this comes to us today from the NPR Strange News page, which is my new best friend. Um, and this is from January 17th, 2019. In Pennsylvania... Uh, the Cootstown Borough Police Department posted on Facebook a request that was flooded with eager volunteers, and the request was for three volunteers to come and drink copious amounts of alcohol to the point that they were drunk and then help the police practice sobriety tests. <laughs> <laughs> this, oh, my gosh. Okay. And, and they got... How many, how many responses did um, they get? I'm going to guess... I don't know if they'd said the number. I'm going to guess 300 responses. I don't remember the number. Um, I don't know if it told us the number. I don't know if the article says the number of responses. But they got, it was, so it was reshared. The town has a population, or the borough has a population of just over 5,000. And the post was shared 1,400 times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so there are some pretty strict regulations that they have with this sure so they have to be in good health between the ages of 25 and 40 sure okay and they have to make sure that they have someone with them who will Drive take them home. them home okay um it's not they have to have a clean criminal history mm. the date of the volunteer opportunity is not until april 4th so they're being very proactive oh putting, so it hasn't happened no yet. it hasn't happened oh, yet got it. Okay. they're just asking for volunteers i uh, got it now they have to weed through all of the volunteer applications yeah um and then they have to sign a waiver so that the borough doesn't get <laughs> like i don't know sued i guess yeah if they something happens to them but the police will be buying the beverages for them it's gonna be monarch vodka. No, I, well yeah Three it's gonna be some bottle. sort of right like cheap oh, hard sure. alcohol oh uh, that's uh, gonna like oh yeah. that's gonna be terrible and they have Horrible. uh definitely asked for people to stop volunteering 
and we're good. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie, uh, yep. for applying six times. We yep. get it. <laughs> Reminder, good health condition. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Uh, apparently, there are people who... Oh, and you also have to have no history of drug or alcohol abuse in order to participate. <laughs> so... <laughs> No history, but we're going to sign you up for it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever watched Drunk History? Yes. It's fantastic. Yeah. it's uh, If you're not familiar with it. <laughs> what channel is that on? Is it Hulu? Or? It's the History Channel, I history think. History Channel? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think I've seen it on Hulu mm-hmm. where people basically, these guys get in a room and re- recount a story that took place in yeah, history. They get, but they get historians hammered. drunk. Yeah. Like Sometimes, really really yeah. smart ones too, like yeah. doctors and whatever. Yeah. When PhDs. it originally started, it was like the jet historians drunk sometimes now it's like pseudo celebrities oh really oh i haven't watched in a long time yeah Yeah. um but they now they have some big names doing the reenactments yeah because they have someone i watched a few at the beginning and they got and they do like animations and like well no they have live reenactments yeah that's what it is actors to do live reenactments and then you know obviously they are paraphrasing like what these historians said so i remember i watched a harriet tubman one one time and the historian was like and she was like get the f over here and like you know like, yeah <laughs> just like it's it's really funny yeah mm-hmm. uh so can i do a can i do a funny funny side story yeah. um my daughter is is amazing and mm-hmm. did a uh, a live <laughs> this is a sidetrack so sidetrack <laughs> She did a show, like a presentation thing at her school where every person dressed up as a character, made a storyboard, and then dressed up as a character. And then it was like a live theater. What they call it? Live museum? Mm-hmm. So you'd go up, you'd, oh, okay, tap, yeah. you'd tap them on the shoulder. They'd turn around and be like, hey, my name is <laughs> Albert Einstein, and yeah. I created the blah, blah, blah. That's actually kind of a cool idea. It was a great idea. It was really cute. And mm-hmm. they did a fantastic – all the kids did a great job. And my daughter was Harriet Beecher Stowe. Mm-hmm. Um, but – she, for some reason, <laughs> created, came up with a sh- like sharp English accent for Harriet Beecher Stowe. <laughs> Isn't a, she American? A, a very much American. <laughs> Hello, I'm Harriet Beecher Stowe. <laughs> and I fought to end slavery in 18... 18- oh, it was... And my and my I, I go to my wife and go, was she did she, was she English? And, and Kylie's like, No, I don't know where she picked it up. She saw it somewhere. And I think wants to appear smarter. Like every, everybody assumes yeah. like people who have an English accent are smarter. And so it was like I can really impress people with so I'm oh sure God. there were some parents who like had no idea and they're like, Oh wow, okay. Harriet Beecher Stowe, yeah. very much an English woman. <laughs> Not reading the board, born in Louisiana. Or I don't know, I can't remember where she was born, but oh it was it was ironic. That's- like classic London, right? Yeah, there. classic, classic. <laughs> I'll never forget. Hello, I'm Harriet Beecher Stowe. <laughs> Cheers, mate. All right, uh, my uh, something interesting could have been that, but I'll I'll add this to it. I don't do book recommendations a lot because I know not a lot of people have time to read in seasons of life, and books feel like a huge commitment. Like if I say to if you say to me, "Hey, this new show is great," like I factor in my mind, that's like I don't know, man, that's an hour of my time to watch this documentary. <laughs> I don't know if I got that in me, right? Yeah. And then if I do a book, it's not an hour. It's like several hours, multiple yes. days. It's Beach Reads. So I really, I don't want to withhold it. If you want to know what I'm reading and what I like, you can follow me on Goodreads and figure that out. Um, so very rarely do I do I do one of these, but I'm about to do one. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for if if you're looking for a good history one, okay. If you if you like ancient history, like if you if you saw if you Heard what I talked about on Sunday, and the thing that popped out to you the most was, oh, the Titus Arch and all that kind of, that kind of stuff. I just finished a book called The Swerve by mm-hmm. a guy named Stephen Greenblatt. He's a professor at Harvard University. He um, 
has written several books. Another one that he just wrote was called Tyrant, uh, which is a Shakespearean take on basically the Trump presidency, <laughs> um, which it was really... That sounds fantastic. It was fantastic. He's a, just a creative okay. writer. Like, even if you don't... Ag- like, I don't agree with all of his points on there, but it was so creatively done. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, brilliant. He's a Shakespeare historian. Like, he's super good at all that kind of stuff. Uh, Will in the World was another one that he wrote. I haven't read that one. He wrote The the Rise and Fall of Adam and Eve. So the 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 Adam and Eve story throughout history and the different takes, that the different creation stories that they pulled from at, that were present at the time, which was really great. He's not a Christian guy, um, but uh, very knowledgeable, very smart, and great writer. He wrote a book called The Swerve, How the World Became Modern is the subtitle to the book. Um, it is a National Book Award winner, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. Um, so you know it's good in that sense. Um, it documents a... a a a guy who was an Italian guy who became the apostolic secretary to a pope, even though he wasn't a religious, he was anti-religious, he oh, was a humanist, uh, which actually uh-huh. takes place so much in this thing. Um, and um, so he's he's the right-hand man for the pope, writes all the stuff, like all the decrees and everything like that. Um, his pope is... Uh, basically impeached their form of impeachment Mm -hmm. becomes not the pope anymore becomes jailed and eventually killed (laughs) and uh so then he goes on this journey and he is a book nerd he's a uh uh, bibliophile is what they call him so like we're so intrigued with books and and the roman government was not back then all that interested in books it was more stuff and so he he goes into different monasteries and asks to see their libraries finds old latin books copies them or takes them and borrows them and he's the one this his name is uh poggio bracciolini Mm -hmm. um is the is the name of the, the the guy the the, the focus of this book goes into a monastery somewhere in Germany and finds an old poem by a guy named Lucretius um, on the nature of things that really talks about the first humanism and how all of a sudden, like maybe the fact that you got sick is because there are little atoms in the world that made you sick and not because the devils are doing this to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so going away from ultra supernatural to explain everything to there are natural explanations for he would say everything in this way, Epicurean, um, in, in an Epicurean way of life, which is basically, since there is no life after this life, pleasure is the ultimate goal, and that's how the world kind of came modern, was him finding this poem, and then really the subversive nature of a uh, materialism in this world, as opposed to the kind of the dominant theory of supernaturalism. So, it's like it's a fiction, right? But be, no, 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 no. True. This is true okay. history of, okay. of what actually happened. It is interesting yeah. um, because I, I'm uh, obviously a pastor and religious, and so I do believe <laughs> in like a, a like a supernatural sort of dimension like thing. Uh-huh. But like when you see what he was rebelling against in terms of the Catholic Church at the time and yeah. how things were operating, how they were using that to leverage their power and all that kind of stuff. You can, I can kind of see why you would be subversive in this way. It was just a really good, fantastic read. I gave it five stars. I try and really be careful about giving five stars to book recommendations. Um, so your good reads? Yeah, so if it's five stars, it means it's probably good enough for me to recommend to you and read. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's not that big. I think it's like 300 pages. So it wasn't. It, it's it's it's. Uh, if you're going on a on a beach vacation because it's yeah. too dang cold in the Tri Cities and you need something for the plane that kind of keeps you awake and is interesting, check it out. The Swerve by Stephen Greenblatt. Awesome. All right, that'll do it All for right. today's episode. Uh, of Say Something Interesting. You can uh, catch us this weekend, uh, 9.30 and 11 at the Uptown Theater. You can catch us on the socials all week long. I'm at Brent Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-E-N, Meg. 
Meg Bojan. Is that what it is? <laughs> yep, Meg Bojan. B E A U J O N. Is there an underscore between those two? No. Nope. nope. Okay, just okay. All right. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I've seen it, but whatever. All right. That'll do it. Thanks guys for listening. Have a great week. Bye. See ya.